Welcome to No Challenges Remaining, live from Melbourne. We are here for the Australian Open. I'm Ben Rothenberg. You're Courtney Nguyen. First time looking at not all of you listening, but <laughs> maybe if Courtney's re-listening. Anyway, hi, Courtney. How are you? I'm doing perfectly fine. Are you okay? I'm. That was not a great intro, but you know what? <laughs> it's our third show of 2017. I don't have to be at full speed yet. I'm easing it. I'm playing my way into form. That's good. That's like good. Serena, you don't want to peak now. Like Serena circa 07. Yeah. You know, the first nice. round's going to be, you it's know, nice. dodgy. You'll be down a set and a break. But it's to Petrova, so it's okay. You know. How dare you? She just retired. She just retired. That was really mean. But it was also part of her legacy. I think David Kane on WT Insider called hers the greatest story almost told, which I don't agree with because I don't think it would have been the greatest story if she did win a Grand Slam. <laughs> but she was a, a player of near misses. So yeah, it was actually funny. You know. I mean, just talking very quickly, quick offside uh, or aside about Nadia Petrova because I was just talking to David about a few hours ago, and we were talking about the best to not win a slam, you know, of like the modern era. She's in that conversation. She's in that conversation. And he brought up a stat that I did not realize. She had never won a slam across the board. In doubles either. Doubles, mixed, anything. And she was, she was a stalwart. And she was number, I, I, this is my tweet, I looked up, I wasn't sure if she had any doubles or not. But she was number three in singles yeah. and doubles and never won a slam. So never that's hard slam. to do. That's pretty, pretty crazy, especially yeah. for a player as talented as she was. And especially when you, t- when in, especially within the WTA, you know, the players that come to mind who fall into that category are like the Dementievas, but she won gold medal. You know, like she kind of had a big thing, you know. Petrova got nothing. (laughs) I know, Petrova got nothing. I mean, like even today in the modern game, like right now, people talk about a Red Vinska. She won the finals. Like, you know, like that's that's pretty significant. Wozniak, you got to number one. Wozniak, like everybody kind of had a thing and Petrova never, she had Tokyo. Always a bridesmaid. Never a Dementieva. Meh. Anyway. You are really sputtering as the season begins. I am rounding into early season form, which is not great. You know who didn't have a great first start of the season? Most of the top WTA players. So, I mean, let's let's talk about the women first. Yes, let's start no, with them. But go ahead. But overall, I mean, Kerber had a bad start to the year. She went one and two. Okay, here's where I'm going to stop you, and just like just just a basic point that I will just make, which okay. is. Like, especially early on, I would agree with that if this was, like, late in the season when you talk about, like, oh, she goes into the U.S. Open 1-2 and two over the summer season or, like, goes into, like, the French Open 1-2. and two. Start of the season, for me personally, like, when I look at both the men and the women, I don't look at results so much as I look at their how they're playing and their performance. Now, that being said, I don't think, obviously, that Kerber is playing, you know, in a form as of right now that could, like, win the Australian Open. But she didn't play badly. You lose to Svitolina, you lose to Kazakina. Those are not bad losses. You know, there's a rust, there's some nerves in the way that she's playing in terms of the errors that she's making. But, you know, and same thing that I would say, like, for example, like a Halep, who, you know, got hit off the court by Siniakova. I don't really see it. But she, the matches that she played, she played pretty well. Same with Ravinska. Um Pliskova Ravinska, obviously played yeah, well. Muguruza played fantastic in Brisbane before before retiring to Cornet in the semifinal. Serena lost to Brengel. Serena lost to Brengle, which is a no data point loss at all to me in any way, shape, or form. So it's like, yes, I get it. Like, nine of the top ten players, basically everybody except for Madison, who is not down here, played in the first week. Only one of them made a final, which was Karolina Pleshkova. Mm-hmm. She ended up winning, and it was a, a, a great week for her. But on the whole, I'm not as, like, panic mode about the top ten. I'm not saying I'm panic mode. I'm just saying I'm uninspired. 
I'm, I, yeah, I wouldn't even say that, okay. honestly. I, I think that a lot of them played well. I think that, you know, for the first tournament of the season or the second tournament of the season, if they played this last week, uh, I'm not mega concerned. I, I, you know, I would ha- there were a few more red flags in years past, I think, than there were this year. Fair. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Um, but you can still make your argument about how it was crap for the top 10. Go ahead, make it. It was. Yeah, I mean, with, with the exception of Pliskova, and I'll give it, and Radvanska was fine. And she made a Sydney final and played well to get there and did pretty decently well in Shenzhen. And then Kanta wins a title in Sydney and looks really good in her last two matches, especially beating Bouchard and uh, Radvanska in the final. So I think not, you know, failing Grace Ray, but I'm not saying that. I'm just saying overall, very few people come out of the gates blazing, is what I mean. Yeah, which is so, generally the case. Sometimes, yeah. Azarenka came out blazing. Didn't really help her at the Australian Open. I mean, you look at just, like, form. I, I just think, I look at form. I think that a lot of them are playing a lot better than their, their results would indicate okay. in terms of in terms of form. Well, well, you... Agree to disagree. We talk, you decide. Agree to disagree. All right. Let's talk about the draw, which we can agree came out today, uh, this morning. You know, a very long draw ceremony at the Australian Open. And it features... Big picture thoughts before we break it down, Courtney. You've gone over this draw already a few, quite a few times for WTA. What are your thoughts on what it has in store for this tournament? And if there's a clear, you know, sort of, you know, headline, draw comes out, subheadline, what is the first take? Subheadline, a difficult draw for Serena Williams, oh, yeah. I think, um, especially considering that she needs to make the final to have a shot to take over, the, to retake the number one ranking. So it, it's it's definitely tough for her. I think Kerber got as good of a draw as um, as she could have hoped for. So in terms of a player who, as I just said, you know, obviously was making errors and showed some rust and nerves through her first two tournaments. Um, I think that she has the perfect draw to at least get her into the second week, get three wins under her belt, build some confidence, build some rhythm. And then to me, once you get the top players into the second week, especially, you know, on the WTA, it's a bit of a free-for-all from there like you know but they're all for the most part playing well and confident enough um and at this point the margin between one and you know one and ten uh one and yeah i would say one and ten is is pretty slim oh yeah um so you know any any result a lot of those matches become coin flips really and and you gauge it off of of um you know matchups in particular but yeah so i think kerber um is in a good spot to make the second week which i think would relax her a little bit. So those are the two, that, those are the two kind of top line items, I suppose, because they're the two top seeds. Yeah. Um, I think Conta got hosed by the draw spectacularly for a player who's playing incredibly well. Uh, it was a bit disappointing to see her draw, and I assume that we're going to go through it, so I'm yeah. not getting into specifics. But, um, but on the whole, you know, my opinion of the women's tournament at the Australian Open now is is not all that different than it was 24 hours ago, which is that it's fairly open and and there's a lot of opportunity and. The way that this draw broke out, it's a it's a draw of opportunity. It's it's a draw for people to just like step up and take control of it. I think that's a universal opinion. Even the odds makers don't have any clear favorite for this tournament, which is very rare in an era of where Serena Williams' existence in a draw because she is not at all. She is the odds makers' favorite, but not with a bullet whatsoever. She's still, I think, about a four to one favorite, which is pretty long shot for a number one favorite. Lower odds, I'm sure, than both. Murray and Djokovic, let's say, have to win this tournament on the mm. men's side. So Serena's in there, Kerber right behind. Ker- I think Serena was another big loser in the draw just from the first oh, for sure. two rounds she gets. I don't think they are the worst match necessarily, but they're certainly very bad on paper. And that does mean something in real life, especially the first one. But we'll get to her. We'll do the draw in more or less chronological order. She's at the bottom. So let's start with Kerber. 
uh, in her section. You mentioned you like her through the first week, so that basically involves her 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 first her first three matches. I think are really pretty safe. I she opens against Lesia Serenko and then gets a qualifier or Vithoft. I don't see any concerns in any of those. And then her seed is is Bagu. So I uh, and I don't like see I said much, into yeah. the second week without that much thought. You know, without uh, barring a complete and utter nervous implosion. Uh, which is possible. Yeah. You know, it's it's all on the table. But barring that, I mean, I think that she's a lock for the second week. I would think so, too. Uh, the other Pliskova, Christina, is in there. Could make third round. Possibly is one to watch. And Shvedova has had good slam runs recently. Uh, so, again, could make third round, but not much beyond that. Uh, and then the couple interesting, few interesting names that she could play in the fourth round. Uh, it's a very fun section to draw here, which has the seeds are Vinci and Kalsakina. Uh, Vinci opens against Coco Vandeweghe. Uh, which is a f- very fun stylistic battle of people <laughs> near each other in the alphabet, but nowhere near each other in any other category of the game. Uh, so that'll be a great, you know, power versus finesse, you know, brute strength versus sliced dice, all that sort of stuff. Serve versus ground, fun things there. Uh, so that's a fun one. And then Doi in the second round for that is also, which is obviously famously against Kerber had match point, which I've heard so many times this week. But yeah, Doi match point first round. It's the thing that happened. Uh, and then Kasakina, who beat her in Sydney. Yeah, Floats I mean, who, also... Who do, you, who do you think comes out of there and who's well, most dangerous for Kerber? Also floating in this section is Bouchard. And oh, she yeah. played very, very well in Sydney. You know, I think that, you know, she has a very, very uh, positive and overwhelming head-to-head record against Dominika Sobolkova, who she beat in Sydney. So, you know, it, it's, it's a good run in Sydney. Um, is it as good as it seems on paper? I don't know because I don't think that Sabolka is actually playing at a, you know, B level, yeah. uh, and that head, and that head to head just skews uh, Bouchard's way, and then she she got really um, handed it to her uh, by Conta, um, who yeah, she did. you know did, did the same thing to Radvanska. So, um, but she's there, and she opens up against Shiriko. She could play a second round against Kasa against Kasatkina. Sorry, I'm trying to say her. I'm trying to learn to say her name properly. Um, so if you hear me stutter, that's what it is. Um, but yeah, uh, Bouchard and Kasakina could play in the second round. Um, so I that's, like, a, I that's like, a big one. I like Dashka to use, not avoiding her last name quite a bit in that matchup. I think that she's very solid in a way. It doesn't have a lot of big slam wins to her name. And that would be a beating Bouchard at a slam would be a, a, a headline generating type win. I mean, I, I, say, I think that she's just so steady. I, mm, I I agree with that. I think anybody who listens to the Insider podcast or listens to this podcast knows that I'm very big on Daria Kasakina. But um, I do think, and it was something that I kind of like really crystallized for me this week watching Bouchard in Sydney, um, particularly her match against Kanta, which it kind of dawned on me that they play the exact same style of game. It's just that Kanta is a little bit more technically sound, that she covers the ball well, she 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 hits with more margin. Um, she doesn't, you know, miss as big as Bouchard can. So, you know, that, that kind of tells you why they're ranked where they are. But I do think that with Bouchard, looking back on her career, when she's played players who can give her time on the ball, she's pretty comfortable. And that's something that, that, that Sabolkova does, um, just with her, her big swings and she just kind of, uh, you know, taking the ball. Once you speed up the game against uh, Bouchard, the way that, uh, uh, for example, a Kvitova can do, um, you take that time away from her and it, it she struggles with it. She struggles with her timing. She's late on the ball. She misses a lot. I think that against a Kasatkina, and I don't think they've played before, 
I just think Dasha's going to give her a little bit too much time on the ball. Same thing as if Bouchard gets through and plays like a, a Vinci who can cut her up, you know, left and right. But I don't know. I, I think I think Bouchard discovered something in Sydney. But that being said, it's a fast court and Melbourne is a lot slower and um, she's going to have a tougher time hitting through uh, grinders in Melbourne than compared to Sydney. Is Bouchard your pick for second weekend? No, I just think I just think that that's a really it's a reasonable pick. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. But. No, I I wouldn't pick her into the second week. It just wouldn't surprise me if she's in the second week. Okay. I would still take Dasha through there. Um, uh, over Vinci. Over Vinci. Yeah, I would yeah. take a a Kasakana over Vinci to set up a fourth round against Kerber. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, keep an eye on on Jeannie Bouchard. I, things seem to click for her a little bit in Sydney. And I will say on the clicking front, if she does make fourth round, she beat Kerber last year in Rome. She, did. she has when when Jeannie was not anywhere near her best. Yeah, and that, and that's and so, not a good matchup yeah. for Kerber. Yeah, you know that, that before, Bouch- Wimbledon. Yeah, yeah, Bouchard Kerber. That's not a good matchup. So that's why I think that Bouchard will, in some way, kind of be, you know, that keystone. That if it gets pulled, if she makes it through, everything kind of falls apart potentially in the section by pure matchup because oh. she can she could beat a Kerber and She's make and make a quarterfinal and then from there. You know, again, once you make a quarterfinal of a slam, a lot of things can, a lot of things can break your way. Yeah. So for sure, in that quarterfinal, the players, uh, the highest other seed in this quarter of the draw is Muguruza, who had a very good start to the year. Actually, I didn't get to see much of Brisbane uh, time difference and streaming stuff, but it was a really good match tournament for her. She made semis with some big wins, and I think I had been very low on her at the end of last year, but now I'm intrigued. I think it's fair to say I don't, I'm not buying necessarily, but I'm at least intrigued for sure. Um, and she, I think, has a really good path to the quarters. Uh, Carla is the high seed in this section at number 10, other other high seed. Who's coming and off, who's coming dealing off injury, with injury, yeah. Right, so. Zhang Shuai is defending quarters here. I expect her to be nervous. And she lost to Bouchard pretty easily in Sydney. Uh, yeah, Bouchard is connected to everything. Wow. I'm just saying. Uh, so I would, I would like, without, without seeing too much granular, interesting things in there, relevant, I think I like movie roots and make quarters. Yeah. I wouldn't have said that. I wouldn't have thought in December. But I, I really oh, like yeah. to make quarters here. No, it's a great draw, and and as you said, Garbina was was very impressive in Brisbane. You know, especially after the way that she finished her season. You know, I mean, she she ended it on a win over a very fatigued and over it Kuznetsov who had already qualified for the semifinals in Singapore. But uh, the two losses um, to who was it Pliskova and Radvanska um, were pretty brutal for for Muguruza. And we all know, you know, she had a great and she knows it too. She had a great two weeks in Paris, and outside of that. It was a struggle, and yeah. it really felt like in Brisbane that she had turned the page. Um, so that's great. The only thing with Muguruza, dealing with a leg injury, she said she's not 100% yet in an interview yesterday, I believe, on Thursday. Um, and so she's she's racing the clock a little bit. But I think, again, her draw is the type of draw that will allow her to heal. Again, match on, match off. She'll have time. She's not playing doubles, so she opens up against Arakovich, could play Lauren Davis. Lauren Davis, um, if Lauren... if, if... Muguruza is off. Lauren Davis can be a tough opponent. Sure. Lauren Davis just it's won Auckland, won her first title there. Was very solid. You know, it was very uh, you know Kipling. It was like keeping your nerve as everyone else falls apart. That yeah, was yeah. Lauren Davis in Auckland, and I was in Auckland, and she played much bigger ball. She played much more offensive, tilted tennis than I've seen from her. Uh, so I'm not completely ruling that out. If that's that'll be probably the first week match to flag for. Uh, Muguruza. She does also lose to Sevastov at the U.S. Open, but I think that was kind of just more about her being yeah. in a gutter, you know, confidence-wise during that tournament. And Sevastov hasn't yeah. shown uh, any form to start the season either. So, yeah. so yeah. I mean, I, w- I would agree with you. Muguruza into the into the second week. Uh, I'd say quarters. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Anything short of that would be disappointing. I agree. Uh, next quarter is the Simona Halep quarter, 
and you have circled on your draw this Halep Rogers match. So I'm guessing you're intrigued by that. I'm intrigued by it. Um, it First round match again. It, it, it just um, you know we've recorded the Insider podcast and we'll post it shortly. But um, this was a, a point of contention between myself and David Kane about whether or not Simona Halep was a draw winner or a draw loser. And I had actually slotted her as a draw loser um, simply because I think that the the opening again this is a matchup issue. Obviously she should beat all these people, but I think that um, she, with Shelby being a big hitter. That is potentially a difficult one for for Simona to start her tournament. Um, yeah, it's a little bit tricky. Second round, potentially she could play Ash Barty, who I have to say I don't know if you saw it, Ben. She no, debuted a completely different game style hmm. against Kerber in Brisbane. It was shocking. She's hitting the absolute crap out of the ball. She's actually a hitter now, and and it's completely transformed from you know the little munchkin. She used to play won, small ball. Yeah, small yeah. ball. You know, great hands, touch, grass yeah. court player. She was hitting through Kerber. She took her to three sets, took that second set in dominant fashion, um, really hung tight also through the first set. So and then ran out of gas and 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 Kerber ran away with the third. But um, but if you imagine a Halep versus Barty potentially on at minimum Margaret Quarterina. I think that's a labor night session. It could be. Match. It yeah. could be. Uh, you know, depending on on scheduling or whatever. But. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's an awkward, a, a psychologically and mentally and emotionally awkward match for Simona to play. I don't disagree with that. Um, I think that, I mean, Barty's not out of the woods. It's just, I think it's a really good measuring stick first round again for her against Annika Beck. Sure. Barty, that's like a very true point. Like, if you're really playing well, yeah. if you're here, Annika Beck made fourth round here last year, but it's not an overwhelming player. Yeah. That's a very good, like, this is a solid first hurdle if you have to clear. It's a very, I think, it litmus test kind of match for I'm Barty. I'm looking forward to the chance. Oh, the Barty chance are the best. They are like, the best chance. She lent, obviously, but they, I, the uh, Aussie fanatics were very quiet last year. They were. They were almost invisible last year. I'm wondering. I'm not entirely sure if if if, if they're as funded, yeah, as maybe they were in the past. Exactly. I think they with, late, with, 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 with Leighton being out, I wonder yeah. if, if Leighton retiring made because yeah, they get comp tickets and maybe even some more on top of that. Yeah, because they're like they're sort of professional cheerleaders in their own way, and also they also annoy a lot of fans. So possibly they pulled the plug yeah. on them for that. But Barty's yes. If, if they were having generically Barty's chance, any song with the word party in it, it's just great. So, Barty Rock is in the house tonight. Everybody just have a good time. Yeah, so I think that that's an awkward one. And then if you wanted to make things extremely awkward, and obviously this is a whole shot um, in terms of this even happening, but Halep versus Ayava in the third round. Because we don't know how where Puig is at right now. I don't think that she's in the most positive of headspaces, having mm. spoken to her in Brisbane. Um, yeah, I mean, she could play, you know, Destiny Ayava, make first player born in the 2000s, a true millennial, to play in a main draw of a slam. I don't see Ayava scaring Halep. I'd be very surprised by that. I'm just saying. I think Halep's a tough out for a beginner. I understand all of that. I'm saying that it is a mentally and emotionally awkward match because you are going to oh, have sure. a crowd against you. Destiny Ayava and Ash Barty, they both hit big balls. Ayava can hit through people, uh, you know, beat Bethany Maddox Sands uh, in Brisbane. She um, has a very Osaka-ish game. Yes. That I saw. She's, just she's weird, Aussie Osaka. She's very, like, yeah, very close. And, like, hits, just hits through the court. Like, yeah. and it's very it Osaka-type way. Yeah. It skids yeah. when it hits the Hard court. Hard down the middle and it's enough. So, again, and, I'm yeah. just saying that if these players, again, the draw of opportunity. This opportunity is given to you. You play a top five seed. If you seize the moment, you can you can cause some problems, you know? So that's why I put Halep as a draw loser. But after those 
first few matches, I think this is a great draw for I her. I think her fourth round is really good. I mean, Venus Williams is in there as the high seed at number 13. Venus did not look good in Auckland. She looked hurt. She played Jay Lewis, who was a local wild card in Right, the first outside round. of the top 1,000. Right, and struggled in that match. Took a yeah. first set tiebreak. And had pulled out after that with an arm injury when she would she would have had to have come back and play Osaka Osaka later that day. So that wasn't surprising um, that she did that. It was disappointing, very disappointing. Because I really want to see Venus Osaka, yeah. but I also think Venus was like, I'm not giving that kid a big win. Like when I'm like, I'm not going to make up. her exactly. And she's on the, Venus on the same thing. She pulled out against Sloan once in Miami. I remember when she was not feeling great. So she made Kasakina. Yeah. She put Kasakina on the map. That's true. So Venus doesn't want to make that mistake twice. Fair. I, but I don't think I don't think Venus. I saw anything from her to think that she can challenge uh, Halep if she makes it out. Oh, totally. I mean, I, it's so disappointing because I put Venus as one of the draw winners because this is a great draw. It's an amazing draw. It's a ridiculously cake draw. Kozlova first round and then Nara, Nara or, or qualifier. qualifier and then Burton's Lepchenko, Duan or qualifier. You know who could actually make the Duan. fourth round? It's Duan. Yeah, yeah. Yingying Duan. Duan Yingying. Had aka baby flower Chinese Davenport had a. <laughs> Do people know? That? I'm just like wondering because like David said it on the Insider podcast too, and I didn't stop him to say like we should probably explain that. Okay, we can but do it. baby flower Chinese quickly. Davenport. I think is a completely sarcastic tennis form yes. name for her. Um, to be honest, uh, but she like she, she doesn't play she's like Lindsay Davenport. Not really. I mean, she's like she's powerful. She's but... powerful and slow, and I think maybe that's where they got. That's like where the similarities stop. Basically, <laughs> Lindsay does not appreciate this compliment because she's like, yeah, it's not me. Lindsay, I'm sorry. No. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so Baby Flower Chinese Davenport, <laughs> or just, you know, BFCD to her friends. Uh, <laughs> she uh, she played well, really well, really in well. both uh, Shenzhen and Sydney. Uh, Beat Coco Rushed Coco. Sydney. Yeah. Just hit her off the court. So Three match points against Aga and Shenzhen. She's the kind of player, if she's feeling it, you know, could make second week. I mean, she's never done anything close to that slam. But it would be, I think the stage is set for old BFCD. Well, and also, again, you know, when you talk about this section of the draw for Halep, she potentially is going up against power player after power player after power player. She'll be getting rhythm, yeah. Yeah, you know, so that's that's not great for her. I mean, those, those are the players that hit her off the court if they zone. Grinders, I... she's okay with. The power plays, it's always been that way. I guess so. Yeah, that's, that's certainly you know, Mirana Lucic fits right. that pattern. Flat, yeah. skid through the court go up the line yeah. that's kind of the book against Halep. so all of these a lot of these players could do that so that's 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 why again i think it's just a an a under the radar tricky draw yeah for for her purely by matchup so in the quarters if Halep makes it she would play the high seeds in this eighth of the draw are svetlana kuznetsova and elena svitolina and Svitolina's had a great start. The year already beat Kerber at a very quietly, a very strong 2016. Didn't get a lot of talk about how how good it was. It wasn't like a huge, besides beating Serena at the Olympics, there wasn't like the one big headline and result. And but just, right, but just sort of didn't, uh, yeah, did it, but did things sort of, you know what I mean, in a, in a radar that was. No active like people, player has more wins over number one than, than uh, Svitolina. Career? Active, like right now. And act like, but like Venus doesn't. That doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right. You're right. I take it back. Well, she's beaten number one a couple times, and she did well, three twice. Times. Yeah, so that's that's a lot. Maybe last three times year. in the last six months. Yeah, that's pretty good. So, what I'm saying is, she. It might been... have been since 2009. I'm trying to remember because the stat did get emailed through to me. It might have been since the start of 2009. That's still a long time. Something like that. But anyways. So yeah, so she's someone we haven't talked about a lot on NCR, for example. But she is 
coming up well. Uh, very solid player. I think Cornet said something that I liked in press in Brisbane. I saw that like she hasn't made an error since like 1993. 1993. Which considering she was, she was born in 1940, 1994. Yeah. There you go. But so it's pretty long time. You're not making errors in utero. You're a very solid player. You're very player. good. You're very good. Very good player. Uh, so she's solid. Um, and Kuznetsova looked pretty good. I thought yep. the beginning of the year too. So that would sort be of standard. I mean, she could do something here. She could not. She's never particularly done well at the Australian Open, but it's an opportunity for her. the notable. A non-bold-faced floater name in here is uh, Siniakova, yeah. who won Shenzhen and just looked great. Beat Halep, beat Kanta, um, blasted through Risk, who had knocked off Redmonska. And uh, Siniakova, 20 years old, from the Czech Republic, a name to watch in 2017. I think that she's going to add her, you know, throw her hat in the ring as, like, one of those young players that's going to be, you know, part, uh, a very, very, very relevant part of the tour, you know, in the future. And, um, you know, very, very impressive start to the season and um, best hair on tour. I was going to say, make a joke about hat, because... The hat that she would have to throw would be like a, probably like a big like Rasta hat that she would borrow from Dustin Brown because her hair is enormous and leonine and glorious and spectacular and I love it so much. And I will say this, blind item, a top WTA player who also has amazing hair has said to WTA staff without knowing who this who Siniakova is that she has the best hair on tour. So I'm just saying... Okay. It's a person has, who has strong opinions as well, so. All right. I think I know who this is. You might. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> moving into the bottom half of the draw. <laughs> yes, the so bottom half of the draw. Uh, the player to watch for me, who people have been asking me all the time, you know, not all the time, like people, like, people can <laughs> At every Starbucks run I make, <laughs> yeah. I'm asked. But people, and people do say, like, and I've done, you know, radio interviews of where I'm, like, the pundit or whatever, and they ask, like, who's the people to watch? Who's going to win the Australian Open? And if they don't specify gender, I always right away say Pliskova. Because before the draw came out, because I am so high on Carolyn Pliskova right now for so many reasons. I didn't even watch her in Brisbane, but I just saw the scores roll in and I was like, yep, that sounds about right. I think I was saying even in the fall before it became clear how big this David Katiza pairing was for her. It seems like a huge thing to take her to the next level. But I think things just line up for her. I think she is somebody I talked about the other players not not sort of, you know, coming out of the gates on fire. I think she did. And I think that she is just having, she's trending in the right direction career-wise. I think she's moving towards her peak at a time when the players ahead of her aren't. And I think she controls her own destiny in the, every match she plays, which is huge. And I think she's just swell. I just have nothing but good things to say about her game. She is checked Davenport in a real way. She's an incredible ball striker. Uh, her movement's improving. She's getting very smart. Her head is in the right place. She has swag. She has a lot of things that I'm just very high on, which means she's going to lose to Nicolescu second round. But I am kind of all in on Carolina Pliskova. I she could win the French uh, sorry U.S. Open. She was up a break in the third set of the final. So yeah. I mean, she has shown she can get there. The asterisk, obviously, she's only made one Slam second week in her career, which was at U.S. Open. She had a long drought before that. But I think the floodgates about to open. I think she could be number one this year. I am just going huge on. Miss Pliskova. I'm I'm right there with you, man. I mean, I I'm, you know, I try to make this point sometimes on Twitter. I don't know if people listen to me, 
But like, seriously, Carolina Pliskova is an incredibly charismatic person in her own way. And I feel like a lot of people think that she's like super robotic and like unemotional and like all these sorts of things. But she can be. And she can be, obviously. But there's a layer underneath. But there's a layer underneath where she's incredibly self-deprecating, very self-aware, like, you know, quick to laugh, quick to make jokes, very like... Yeah, like she's, she's got an great. edge to her. She has an edge to her. And I was telling, you know, some of my colleagues at the WTA, I'm like, she's, she's, you know, y- this phrase is going to sound weird, but go with me for a split second. But she's the new Kavitova insofar as she's really, you know, you said, you know, person, there may be personality differences. Like Petra's pretty like warm and, you know, outwardly like, you know, okay. nice, whereas Carolina does come off sometimes as a little bit more aloof or closed off. But there but Carolina is incredibly smart. She does anything that you want her to do in terms of like for us at the WTA, like she, you know, you ask her to go do an autograph signing, she doesn't complain about it. Like she's happy to do it. I had a conversation with her before the start of Brisbane about, you know, media obligations and she was like, I like it. It's fine. Like I'm happy to do whatever and this is what top players do. I hope and that lasts. Yeah, and she has this very quiet, ambitious streak within her. And that's what makes me excited. The ambitious about her. thing is really good because there's nothing in her that I see with a lot of other players of her generation that it's like, I have time. Like, the sort of, this, this gets pinned to Sloane Stevens most of all, where people, where Sloane, who's out with a stress fracture, that's what's just Sloane, is, is said, like, I'm not worried about winning this year, I have a long career in front of me, when, in almost all contexts, you should be hitting your prime around the ages she's been at, or at least getting into that prime. Pliskova seems to have the hunger for it, and in a way that Halep, when Halep talked about, like, ambition for Halep. With Halep, it seems like messier. Yes. It's just, she goes up and down, it's in and out. It's a bundle of complicated Pliska, emotions. Pliskova is not, does not have, as far as we can tell, surface or even below surface, obviously. Even like Muguruza is also like a bundle of emotions in her yeah. own way. Pliskova is not. Pliskova has, for now, and this could always change, her head on very straight and her eyes on the prize and everything seems, you know, locked and loaded and ready to go. And I, I am just, I think that she's ready. Yeah, I think she's ready too. And and what, you know, I use this quote or just mentioned this a lot because I thought it was very telling and and somewhat, you know, good to hear from her in in Brisbane is, uh, you know, a reporter asked her, you know, the conversation around the press room and and going into the Australian Open is going to be that, that, you know, a Grand Slam win is inevitable for you this year. And she kind of threw up her hands. Like, it was like a weirdly, like, very emotive moment in the press conference. She's like, everybody keeps saying that, but, like, it's really hard, like, it to, like, hard. win, you know? It is hard. And, and she was very honest. She was like, you know, it's a lot of it is draw dependent. Like, there are some players I'm really great against, and there are other players that I really struggle against, and I have to look at that. That's why I put Pliskova on my list of draw losers here, because there's a lot of players in succession that are the type of player that would, would cause her problems. She's one and two against Monica Nicolescu, who she could play in the second, second round. round. She has yeah. a losing Record against Tamea Baczynski, who she could play in the fourth round. Um, you know, you get Putin past Seba, there. even third round. Is, is well, kind she, of... she dominates Putin. Okay. Yeah, she's never lost to Putin. She beat her in Brisbane, yeah. that's right. Um, and then once you get to the quarterfinals, you're talking about a Radvanska who has just flummoxed her to no end. So this is like kind of like the nightmare draw in a lot of ways for Karolina Pleshkova. You know, she... She does great against kind of power players. Like she, she the points stay short. If it's she a hitting have... battle, she'll win it. Yeah, exactly. Even when against she... Serena, you have something semis. She hit Serena off the damn court. Venus. Yeah. She was in there. She was right there, toe to toe. That was very toe. Yeah. yeah. That was, but that was you know, and then Kerber does what she, Kerber does, and you start to see where. And but the thing about Carolina that I kind of love is that she kind of totally knows that. 
if anything, like she goes in, she, Carolina Pliskova, okay, I remember this because bear with me, you guys. This is a long Carolina Pliskova segment, oh boy. but it's worth it. Um, but when I was in law school and we would, and I was studying oh, we're going way back. Yeah, we're going way back, bro. <laughs> when Carolina uh, was like 11, but continue. <laughs> Younger than that, probably. Uh, but uh, yeah, so when I was in law school and I was studying for the bar and the bar exam, which is the exam that you take in order to become a lawyer and you have to pass it. And in California, it's like the hardest bar exam. It's like a passage rate of like 40%. But anyways, you know, it's testing on a bunch of different subjects. And one of the strategies really genuinely was that this was literally taught to you by like the top, you know, bar exam programs. You know what, if you if you're totally up against it, and you cannot learn all of these, you know, uh, subjects and know them inside out, let one subject drop and roll the dice. And if that subject is because it's all kind of like a random selection yeah. of subjects on the test. If that subject comes up, you tip your hat. You say, "Well done, sir. You got me," and and you move on. You know, I got my bad. yeah, exactly. Well, you, there we go, sir. Uh, yeah, and so Pliskova kind of has the same mentality, which is that she's like, "Look, I do this really well, and there's a slight sliver of stuff that I know I'm terrible at, and if you." get the perfect matchup i'm like well nah, crap this model works i mean like it first of all work. first of all we saw this right when she came up i remember the first time i did an interview with her was showing up in two years ago uh when she just made sydney final losing to mm. kvitova yeah. speaking of the comparison and she had gotten compliments from andy murray on twitter and andy murray was like wow amazing ball striker so good wish you could move <laughs> or something he had like some like threw in some like yeah you know like if she learns dig, to move like, or, or like something whatever, like yeah. if only she wasn't such a you know slug or something she didn't, say, not, <laughs> that, she didn't he didn't say that but that was the tone okay um and so and Plisco, if i asked Plisco about that and she was like yeah like he said i was really good but and yeah. she was like i'm working on it and it's fine and, she is. and we've said this about you know with ivanovich in her day mm. like you can be and this is different a little bit different than having one weakness but you can have one strength if it's that good it's enough like yeah. if you if you have ivanovich early ivanovich was Forehand, 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 forehand. You load up that side. You know, you have a very clear game plan. Everything becomes clear, and it works. And that's why I think it's easier for a Pliskova to go out there and execute than a Halep, who has to, like, balance all of these, like, being a very all-around player, can hit, can defend, can run, and you can get stuck sort of in between gears. Pliskova has a gear, like one gear. Yeah. It's a really good gear, and, and it works. And again, you know, you go back to the comparison of a Kvitova. Petra has far more nuance to her game than a Carolina you know like she moves a little bit better than than Carolina she has like a little bit more of an she can get into the net quicker and does she move that much better than Carolina a little bit yeah okay yeah um but with Carolina like you know again like it's always a joke with her and she always smiles this like rueful smile of like an like that she's in on the joke too that just like what'd you work on in the off season well, we worked on me bending my knees, like you know, like getting low through the ball. Yeah. Uh, I asked her for a, during the the insider podcast after she won Brisbane. You know, like oh wow, you're really good at hitting those shots in the middle of the court, like in no man's land. She gets caught yeah. in no man's land, and she always, at least that match, like kind of came up with something special a lot of times. And she was like, well, it's funny you say that because David was saying the exact same thing. But the thing is, is like you're kind of either supposed to be on the net. Or at the baseline and I'm just stuck in the middle because I'm like slow or whatever and so but she was kind of laughing about it. she's like I don't want to be able to make the, hit those shots but I've learned to hit them because I'm stupid and I get stuck there but I need to close the net I know you say stupid like obviously like you know jokingly but like what Pliskova does I remember saying this hearing this thing about this about Davenport too in her day she plays a certain kind of game that works for her and that's smart you don't yes. have to be 
Agnes Redmond's going to be smart. You don't have to have all the shots in the book. You don't need and all do, the shots. And do outside the box things to be smart. You do what being smart is, is playing the game style that's best for you. And that goes for players now, like Ivo Karlovich right now on tour is a very smart player. Yeah. He's a very incomplete player, but he does what he does and tries to maximize his strengths and avoid his weaknesses by really maximizing his strengths and kind of gambling where he, you know, trying to make a, just sort of throw a wrench in things otherwise. And that's, Obviously, Carolina is a much more well-rounded player than Karlovich um, and has more different aspects to her game. Also has a huge serve, which shouldn't underrate. She has the best serve in the WTA, very popular, ace or up leader. there with Serena. It's ace Definitely leader. ace leader. Um, and a lot of that's playing way, way more matches than Serena. And more efficient, too. I think, actually, on the first serve and, yeah. um, in terms of winning behind it. So, I mean, she's we've we've gone big on her here, which I yeah. think shows that if, it, if she loses to Nikolescu or one of these other players, it doesn't undermine my overall long-term confidence for her in 2017 yeah. and beyond. I think she's just one to watch and super duper. Her draw, we mentioned her draw. Uh, it is tricky, and but I think that if I think Peak Pliskova is good enough to beat all those players. Oh yeah, for sure. I think for sure. For sure. Uh, Bachinski has never done that well in Australia, and we don't have many metrics with her. She didn't play any lead ups, yeah. which is a little bit suspicious of anybody who doesn't play a lead up going into the Australian Open. Uh, so she could lose Georgie in the first yeah. round, which is a tough first round. Anna Kanya is also in there. She made quarters of, uh, in, that, in that sort of next eight players, uh, she made quarters of U.S. Open, notably, and she made the final of Auckland, so she's doing pretty decently. Another player to watch. Uh, she could definitely get top 20 this year, I feel like. Mm. She's on pace for. Uh, she has a, a tough draw, though. She plays Mladenovic first, who's just sort of, you know, does what she does. And I think Kanye should win that, though. But then she gets Gavrilova or or Brody, which is very different opponents. Um, so Connie could be a, a, a opponent that I think could make the fourth round for Pliskova, very possibly. Uh, in the quarterfinals, the second part of that, of this, uh, it's actually technically the Radvanska quarter, not Pliskova. No, but this is the thing. I made this mistake today, and, yeah. it, and I was saying on the other podcast, like, you know, it tells you a little bit about how big I am on Pliskova. I agree. That, like, when I tweeted, I was like, this is the Kerber quarter, this is the Halep quarter, this is the Pliskova quarter, this is the Serena quarter, and I got all these notes the, back the, of me, like, that's the Aga quarter, and I was like, oh, right, yeah, sorry. <laughs> that's, the men's straw was all about where... Where Roger landed, and to a lesser extent, where Rafa landed, which was all about where Plisko landed. Yeah, yeah. And so Radvanska is her seed, which you said matchup wise is not great. Uh, Radvanska's played a lot of tennis already. We'll see if that catches up with her. You know, you get what you get when you schedule both weeks and play long into both weeks. Not that she played that long in Shenzhen, but uh, playing deep into City, I never think bodes that well, especially if, like, her, again, we talked every time on the show about her just putting the Endur- the durability to last that long. There's going to be a lot of tape, I'm guessing, by the time she faces Pliskova uh, in this tournament. Uh, but I like I like uh, Radvanska to make those quarters. Yeah, as so long as she gets I past the first two rounds. I don't see too Kronkova, many Lucic in the first two yeah. rounds. But after that, yeah, I would say quarterfinals for, for Aga. Yeah. It's a good draw. And this bottom quarter is the Serena Williams quarter. Uh, Serena was the biggest draw loser, I think, at least in terms of the first week. Like, that was when I first, when the unseeded popped in. The, the jaw dropper one, I think. It's think. Just first of all, I hadn't realized, I should have, that Benchish was going to be unseated because she was ranked uh, number seven in February of last year. I know that she got injured and was missing a lot of the year with the back problem, as you were saying. Um, but still, she's a big, you know, highly touted, well thought of name to be facing Serena Williams in the first round of a slam when previously that role has been played by Vitalia Diachenko. So Georgie last year. Yeah, Georgie. That was that was a fun uh, roulette kind of match. So, your thoughts on Serena and if she's in trouble uh, on route to, let's say, let's go big and say the semis yeah. because we already sort of downplayed Sibylkova as having a really rough start. Who's your high seed in this section? Yeah, I mean, to me, the way that the draw broke out, I mean, 
I, I think Kanta is the biggest draw loser of yeah. all of them. But, I mean, obviously, from, of the top five seeds, it would definitely be Serena. You know, on paper, very tricky, obviously, with the names. Benchich, deal, though, dealing with a toe injury, that or toenail injury specifically, um, that forced her to retire to Putintseva in um, uh, Sydney. Uh, Sydney, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Safarova-Wickmeyer, I mean, potentially tricky on paper. But, look, this is about Serena. And um, we just don't know what her form is right now. Um, if she's in good form, I'm not too concerned about this. A slightly hobbled Benchich, an off-form Safarova, a Babos who has had trouble um, you know, closing out matches um, with leads, a Stritzova who might be wiped out given what she did this week in Sydney. Um, and then outside of that, once you get into the quarterfinals, you're talking about a Sabolkova who hasn't looked sharp, a Wozniacki versus Kanta, a third round, the winner of that maybe I think makes the quarterfinal out of that uh, out of that section. I, you know, I don't know. I, winner, I, winner of what? Sorry, you said makes quarterfinal. Wozniacki Kanta. Yeah, Wozniacki Kanta. I agree with that. I agree would with make that. the quarterfinals to play potentially Serena. So that could be interesting um, if Kanta plays the way that she did in Sydney, uh, or if Wozniacki elevates her level and, and yeah. finds something we special. We haven't seen this version of Kanta. You know, this sort of. Re- suddenly relevant, suddenly world class Kanta uh, against Serena. I don't think they played each other in yeah, this era of so. Kanta. Unless I'm blanking on one, I don't think they have. And it, she's, she's playing very, very solid tennis. I mean, Kanta. We Kanta just today as we're recording this won Sydney, uh, second premier title of her career, and following Stanford last summer, and she made the China Open final, which is a bigger final than that. And so she's in this suddenly in this like. I was marveling at every time I see Kanta do anything. I'm just like, how? What? What? That, because Kanta was not unknown. Because she was British, she got a decent amount of like polite but consistent coverage, being like, oh, Joe Kanta's in qualies. She lost second round, da 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 that. And I remember she made like second round of the US Open once, and it was a big run for her, and she lost to Gavortseva. It was a crazy match. Uh, I remember saying near Judy Murray and just being like, this was this was a mess, this whole match. And she could have won it and just didn't. And then when the switch flipped for her, it switched from being, you know, like a nightlight to a stadium floodlight. Like she just is, or maybe it's a dimmer switch, a dial, whatever she's, luminosity. She's, she's rounded she's, up. I mean, she's gone so big and she's like a legit top player now. And it just came out of such nowhere that it sort of speaks to the way that we sort of vet players, I think, like Pliskova. Pliskova, we knew who she was when she was a junior. We saw her make slow, steady progress up, and now she seems to be ready for her debut. Kanta, it just seems like, skipped a lot of rungs on the ladder on the way up. She wasn't talked about as a junior, as far as I know. She, and the British press sort of missed her early days because she switched from being Australian to British, and so she was a little bit off radar there. Didn't get the sort of, we've had our hopes on this girl coverage that Watson and Robson both got from Britain. And so she feels like she came out a bit left field for them. She doesn't have a very, um, she has, there's no narrative for her that's like really caught on that makes her sort of resonate, which I think makes also it seem like a little bit like she's just sort of this, uh, you know, weird avatar for, I don't know. She's, she's WT She's mysterious. No, but no, I don't know if I like that no, analogy, but, but go let for, me explain, explain that analogy. In terms of like, sometimes there are players who, I kind of see them as like if you're playing a video game like CPU one, like the a prototype player who is consistent, who drives you absolutely freaking nuts when you play them, has weapons, like whatever, but is also kind of 
has gone through things invisibly. It doesn't have like a, a tangible thing to, that people can grab onto. You're like an anonymous-ish. That sounds harsh when the way I'm saying it. I don't mean it to be. I, I uh, get what you mean, though. I, I do get that. Yeah. I just think that with Bert and being like a very much like the medium difficulty player on the game. He's like yeah. just like very solid. You have to get to a certain uh, acuity with the game mm-hmm. to be able to beat them. Burdich, I just feel like it's sort of... We, first of all, Burdich has now been, been a relevant, you know, top 10 player off and on for a decade now. So it just, yeah, it just seems less out of left field. But you're right. I think where they are now. But I also think Kanta can be better than Burdich. I think Kanta is still improving and she's working with Wim Fissette and she, who knows, not that this draw worked out for her at all, but she can continue to get herself to be someone we talk about in these shows in a meaningful way, I think. And that's something Burdich never got. Absolutely. I still would caution against just, and this isn't uh, meant to be, again, because I'm like really big on Jia. I was like very, very impressed by what she did this week in Sydney. And and one thing that she did in both Sydney and Shenzhen um, that she did in virtually all of 2016 is that Joe Conta just took care of business. She beat the mm-hmm. players that she was supposed to beat based on her seating or where she was in the position of the draw. And when she came up against like, you know, higher seated players or better players, she she lo- kind of lost to the players that she was supposed to be lo- lose to as well. And that was a huge credit to her. She was able to build a ranking out of that and to move up the rankings. And now that she is a top 10 player and seated, you know, top two, top three, top four in any given tournament, She's, again, taking care of business, right? She's getting it done, and she beats the players she's supposed to beat. But then the way that she performed against Radvanska in the final Sydney, that was one of those sit-up-and-take-notice uh, matches because I don't think that Kanta has had those. Right. It's been very workmanlike, yes. which is what I think you're talking about with Burdich, maybe. Right. And that's sort of that sort of player. The Sydney thing was a jump. I agree. It was this sort of wow. And even how she destroyed Bouchard. It was like, I'm a yeah. different class of player than you right now. And that was impressive. And that's why I think that she, we've said it with Red Monster, as we say for her too, she has played a lot of tennis already this year. Going long in Sydney might not help her in tough matches in Melbourne. Um, so she maybe she'll show some wear and tear. But also, you know, if she gets to that Serena match, I certainly don't uh, downplay her chances. Yeah. No, I mean, there are a lot of questions about Serena going yeah. into this tournament. Um, like I said, it feels like a more wide open, you know, uh, grand slam than we've had in a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, because Serena, it just isn't the presumptive favorite here. She is yeah. a favorite, but not presumptive, especially after the way that the draw broke out. So you know, Conta's definitely in that mix, and um, and it's been impressive, and I'm I'm really really happy for. Her. I mean, she, you know, Joe works incredibly hard. She takes her career incredibly seriously. She's yeah. the ultimate pro in a lot of ways, and that's being rewarded, and and uh, that's what you want to see because you want to see that example, you know, to set for younger players like i don't like the example of like the flash in the pans who like i don't know get a result and their twitter blows up and they you know all that sort of stuff that that to me is 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 detrimental to things yeah i I, to use a possibly lazy narrative do you think that like she the way you described the workman likeness and you know being a player's player and attention to detail itself do you think that and i've been talking this before do you think that she consciously or unconsciously is following an Andy Murray model as a Brit who's obviously was under a little bit as Fed Cup Catherine Judy's wing for a while sees his example of just the attention to detail the not rocking the boat not attention grabbing stuff I don't know I see I see I see her as being I don't know 
I, I, I know. Being a bit of a no. Okay. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily buy that. I that's think that that's just who Joe is. Um, she's just just an. Un, I mean, I wouldn't say she's uncomplicated because I think that that's too oversimplified. Because you know we're all complicated. Um, but she has found a way to keep things very clear in her mind. And this goes towards our discussion of Pliskova. One of the things that makes her a, a burgeoning great tennis player is that things are really clear for yeah. her on court. She knows exactly what she needs to do. She knows what she can do, what she can't do, and she sticks with it. And with Kanta, I think that there's, I think that she has a, a similar type of clarity. She knows what she needs to do. She sees the world a certain way. She's decoupled herself from the idea that results matter. She, you know, just wants to to play well and to do everything that she can to be the best tennis player that she can. And while that is a cliche that we hear from all the players all the time, oh, it doesn't matter. I just want to put in my best effort and be the best player that I want to be. I actually believe it when Conta says that. It's like weird that like normally I think I almost think of like the cliches as being like computer programming that everybody like tries to put into themselves. Yeah. And for everybody else, there's some sort of glitch or some sort of typo or something to just like bounce some sort of bounce back. With Kanta, weirdly, it worked seamlessly. It's human. And the software, <laughs> like, it, that's what just, like, doesn't compute to me. It's just, like, it's all been almost, like, too smooth. Mm. It's all been, like, I think Tumani said it once, Tumani Carroll, it was about Kanta. It's, like, she, like, it's almost as if she, like, woke up one day and it's, like, you know what? I'm going to be a great tennis player. And yeah. it was able to switch, flip the switch and just, like, make the transition out of sheer will when it doesn't come that easy for anybody. And it looks like it's, not that it's coming easy, but it's coming straightforwardly yeah. for her and linearly for her and that's remarkable and so not that she's going to win this tournament or anything but tip of the cap to her just as a sort of achievement award for the last 18 months which she's been able to do pulling herself from being a player who was playing itfs and stuff you know before grass season 2015 to being a suddenly very solidly top 10 she's player. like a quiet legend like you know what i mean like i mean if you really think legend but yeah. no but if you really think about her story of, of precisely that of yeah. like being a bit crap and then like you know, no but right. you know what I no, mean I like and then I losing agree. first round at, the, at and Wimbledon just... and then like going on that crazy run through ITS and then getting into the second week of of of, of the US Open I, losing yeah. to Kvitova in a great match continuing to play well in the fall it, I agree oh. I, I agree I just think that I that's all I'm saying is I think people have lost sight of the fact that she was a bit crap yeah that she was a player who because she was British was a known quantity not like just and come, they didn't even and they care. didn't. If you can go under the radar in Britain and be great, how does that? I just don't yeah, get how someone gets true. through that net. That is, they give coverage to everybody. They are on top of Naomi Brody's every result right now. On top of Heather Watson's every result. On top of Kyle Edmund. Um, I'm trying to think of the name. They don't have a great upcoming class. Look at what like, happened with Marcus Willis. I mean, yeah. like they will t- they will key in. And even Naomi Brody, like she yeah. gets she's gotten more coverage. Oh, um, um, yeah, but yeah. You know, than 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 Conta did early on, yes. Yeah, pre, yeah. pre this exactly. story, yeah. yeah like it, I agree. Yeah. No, so, peculiar. okay, big picture. Let's wrap up the women's trial before we get to uh, the men. Uh, big picture thoughts. I'm picking Pliskova in this tournament. Um, I'll say she might face uh, Serena or Conta in the semi. I'm not sure, but I like Pliskova, and I think that it's hers. And otherwise, uh, maybe Pliskova beats. Uh, I almost time to say Muguruza. I just think think the road is there for her. So I'll say Pliskova beats Muguruza. Sorry, beats Serena and then Muguruza to win the tournament. That's my 
hot take. <laughs> and again, she's going to lose to Nicolescu, and people can rub it in my face. No, that's and it's the thing. Fine. I mean, we said the but, exact same thing. It's like we, we were like, you know, David and I were doing the same thing of like, you know, really waxing poetic about Pliskova. And then at the end of it, it was like, she could lose in the second round to, to Nicolescu. And, you know, matchups matter so much more on the WTA than on the, the, the ATP. Yep. You have like screw seedings, screw rankings, just look like line by line. And that pretty much tells the story. But the first week's going to be great because there's a lot of really good first round yeah. matches. So. But Muguruza, again, could also lose early. So all those, it's the fun thing about women's tennis and the thing that makes it, uh, if I feel like if I was insuring it or something as an insurance agent, I'd be like, well, I don't know about this. this but just anything can happen. And it's, it's all so in play. So many players can shape this tournament and change this tournament. Nicolescu can ultimately completely alter this tournament. That's cool to me. And that's the thing. That's it's like cool. There's so many like very, um, not explosive, but just tournament-defining matches that will happen very early in this tournament. And so, yeah, yeah. you're going to have to pay attention from the, from the get-go, folks. I'm sorry. Sleep you, is for the week. Do you like Pliskova to win, too? Um, if you should yeah. make one pick? If I, had, if I had to take a pick, I'd pick Pliskova, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I actually do, as much as I picked her as a draw loser, I, I do like Halep's path. I think that it's very, very doable. Um, it would theoretically be Rogers, Barty, Puig, uh, Burton's, uh, Kuznetsova, or Svitolina into the semifinal. And then from there, I gave her just as good a shot to beat a Kerber, a Muguruza. I agree. Yeah, she's you a- know, it's not it's not terrible for Simona. I think it's I think just I love this idea of having a tournament that. This, this draw can't fall apart. Yeah. Without without a lot of work because it could. I mean, don't Ben. I'm not going to invoke. We are capable of many things. I'm not going to invoke Dubai. Like where every seed <laughs> lost every match, but there's so many players who this can be set for. And like I said before, at the very beginning about the odds makers, when your top favorite to win is like a worse than four to one favorite right now, that's it's open. That means it's real open and it's anybody's ball game and that's very cool. And all that said, Serena could run through it. She could. She could. I, I don't not, know. I don't I'm think not so. High but... on Serena, she could. She absolutely. We have kind of given her a short shrift on this show, but I think she absolutely can. Um, I think she'll have to again play her way into form. And again, I think that so much of this will be revisited when we do like our mid we'll mid tournament show. You we'll, know what I mean? We'll do, like we'll do shows. Yeah. We'll so do it's kind of like I think Serena will get through the first week, and then once everything gets reset for the round of sixteen, I think then you can start to look at things a little bit more seriously. So on to the men. If you happen to be awake whenever we're recording this, you saw that we tried to do a Facebook Live thing about the men's draw, about Courtney discovering it for the first time as if she was like a deaf child hearing their mother for the first time. Not quite as high stakes. You've been hanging out with Ducky a little bit too long. Probably too much. (laughs) Fair point. But, Courtney, you are now just going to, we'll kind of redo it. You only saw the first quarter of it or so. Yeah, technical difficulties. We 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 had to abandon it. We're going to try it. My Wi-Fi has been really good here. Just tonight, I think all the players are on the Wi-Fi or something. That's I don't true. Know. Well, they'll all start losing and going home. Exactly. So that'll be and nice. And then the bandwidth will just uh, open <laughs> Clear up. up. Uh, you know, all those qualifiers just downloading all the things while they can. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about the men's draw. Start with the top. Andy Murray, uh, who is the top seed at the Grand Slam for the first time. It's a milestone of sorts. He opens against Marchenko, which is great. He plays could get Query third round, who beat, obviously, Djokovic third round at Wimbledon. I don't see that happening again, but you never know. Uh, and then Pui or Isner in the fourth round, I think, I mean, this is, again, we're switching, it's a very jarring gear shift to go from WTA, <laughs> we just whacked poetic about it, everybody can win anything, 
it'll take a lot to 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 topple Andy Murray. I don't see it happening. Uh, certainly in the first four rounds, and we'll get to his quarter later. But I think that first round is clear. I mean, Pui is playing better, but I don't think he has the consistency for a Isner, best for a best of five Murray type win. And Isner, in theory, might, but it's just historically never done well against Murray. They play a lot of close sets, so Andy wins every single one of them. So I picked yeah. Murray pretty solidly to the quarters. Yeah. Shout out to Alex D. Menor, who's a uh, young Aussie 17 year old who's in the main draw of the qualifying thing. He's a wee little thing. He's like just like. <laughs> he looks like a child. 84 pounds, like sopping wet. Yeah. Like he's, he's wee. Interesting story about Alex De Menor. I can't pronounce it the way that the Aussies do, but. Um, I'm not even sure they're getting it right. So I don't think so. But it. he was born in Australia and then left Australia with his family uh, to move to Spain. So he actually grew up in Spain. He's fluent in Spanish and French uh, and learned and trained tennis in Spain. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool. Look at this men's wildcard background from Tennisography over here. I'm loving it. Some of us watch Channel 7 and are forced to watch things while you're waiting for WTA tennis. So there, that's your Alex de Minaur. Uh, uh, dossier. Yeah, that, that's a fun word from this week. Yeah, uh, and then obviously, <laughs> uh, let's move right on along to this next part, which was obviously the attention getting part. This is where Roger Federer landed in the draw. Roger Federer seated seventeenth, his lowest ever seating at any tournament, but also the number of majors that he's won. Fitting. Heyo. Heyo, indeed. Uh, Federer opens with qualifier and then the winner of qualifier. Qualifier. <laughs> so he can't ask for too much more than that. I will say a lot of the... Quali- are there qualifiers that could trouble him? Um, short answer, no. Yeah. But there are interesting... There's a lot of interesting qualifiers. The most interesting... The most daunting qualifier of all from what I've seen in qualifying this week is uh, Francis Tiafo. Yeah. Who's seated second in qualifying and just doing big things. Uh, top seed in qualifying is Radek Stepanek, who's also into the final round. We recorded this before qualifying's over. They both might lose. Um, but there's some inter- a lot of interesting qualifiers. Those two I just mentioned, uh, Ducky Lee, we made a joke earlier, but Ducky Lee is uh, in the final round. He's facing uh, Sasha Bublik, who's a young Russian, who's also a one to watch. This amazing video on his Twitter page of him interviewing some person, I'm not sure who, does this amazing Nadal impression, which is like really full tilt Nadal. It's it's like <laughs> it's full Rafa. It is like character. It, people don't usually go that hard at Rafa, so it was like just sort of like wow, that was that was intense in a good way. Um, and James McGee's in the final round qualifying. Noah Rubin, uh, a lot of like names you would know are in the final round qualifying compared to most tournaments. So uh, Federer, and a lot of them are like hoping they're canceled. Like you see, like there's a really good chance you could play Federer, and because for a lot of these guys, especially let's say like a Peter Polanski or a Smechek, who are both in the final round. They're like, you know, nearing 30 age-wise. Getting to play Federer would be such like a great like career reward for them. To say like, ah, I got to play tennis and I got to play Federer on labor at the Russian Open. It's just a great sort of laurel. And you can't, it's luck. It's just complete luck whether or not that happens to your career when you're not somebody who's, you know, top 15 in every master's draw and eventually it'll happen. So I'm hoping, uh, there's a lot of positive uh outcomes to who can get him in those first two matches so it'll be interesting and they should be easy for him and then he gets Burditch, who he's done well again but Burditch, i haven't seen Burditch this year so i don't know what to say about Burditch recently Burditch had a down 2016 missed london after being a fixture there slash filler there for so long and i think Federer is a good shot and then nisha cory um it's got a of, hip issue got a hip issue it's not the worst draw of all of the top of, of the top eight guys you can get and then to go even further I think Murray's a favorite if they get to the quarters together, but 
Federer's won a lot against Andy Murray in his career, including their last, like, 10 sets, even though none since 2015. But really, talk about draw winners, Federer, big draw winner. That's my take. I'm convinced. Yeah. As I look at it for the first time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I agree with all that. Yeah. I don't really have a ton to add. I mean... Yeah, it really is jarring to go from WTA to HP. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. And just in terms of like matchups, you know, like a lot of these look like pretty predictable outcomes. I'll say Andre Kuznetsov is Nishikori's first match. I put that as a low, like a like a dim upset alert. Like Kuznetsov yeah, just made the sure. semis of Sydney's had a very solid sort of few months. Yeah, if, Nishikori if Nishikori is, is gimpy, yeah. then I think that Kuznetsov could possibly. Is that, that's the kind of match that Nishikori loses sometimes. Yeah. So uh, low key flag for that one. Um, this yeah. is a pretty jacked like top half though. I mean like. Oh yeah. Vavrinka obviously is in here in the second quarter. So second quarter, yeah. So Vavrinka Curios. is in there. And it's Klezon, who's who knows what Klezon. Klezon can beat and lose to anybody. He's like the ultimate. Wild card of the ATP. Uh, Johnson is not, I don't think, he beat Vavrinka, but is a big name for an unseated. Troitsky is not a bad match. So Vavrinka, I think, is pretty safe to the fourth round where he could play big drum roll Nick Kyrgios in Australia. The tabloids would be so happy for that, everything involved with it. Uh, sidebar, while we're thinking along these lines, poor one out for Tanasi Kokonakis, still mm. injured, not able to play. After, making, after coming winning. back in doubles and winning the uh, Brisbane been, title yeah. in doubles. That, I was... With Jordan Thompson. Tomo! Yeah. So hopefully that shows that he's at least trending in the right direction. If he doesn't think he's ready for best of five singles, that's obviously a fair thing to have be a bridge too far. But Vavrinka Kyrgios would be a lot of fun. Uh, I haven't seen Stan yet this year. But so... then, the, I mean, the, the, the big question is also even if Nick can get there, uh, he has some injury concerns as well. Yeah. Uh, was it knee, I believe? Mm-hmm. Um, he played some fast four and exhibition, obviously, at Hopman. Um, and then pulled out of Kuyong this week um, due to that kind of knee issue. Can I say, I watched Kuyong on TV. It's sad. I don't understand how that tournament, how that event still exists. It's not for you. That's who, what you have to recognize. But who is it for? Is it for, if it's for TV, I guess, all I can think. But they don't even show it on TV that much. The stands are so empty. Oh, if the stands are empty, then fair enough. Yeah, I watched, like I guess, the final of it today. It's tradition. Is, like, it is tradition, but I remember it being a bigger deal back when yeah. I was like in high school. Yeah. I remember like I remember Roddick beating Federer there once. Back, and it shows you what the kind of caliber of the players they got you know, 12, 13 years ago. And... It would be, and Roddick being like, this does not matter. <laughs> we're like, you yeah. beat Federer finally. He's like, yeah, it's Kuyong. But yeah. it still shows they got those guys and like, there were like AP reporters there to cover it or whatever I saw this being written from. Uh, it doesn't happen anymore. And my perennial, uh, <laughs> let's, I just see his name in the draw. Courtney, can you explain what's been going on at Bernard Tomic? <laughs> I can't. Um... You've been following the coverage. Explain the coverage, if you will. So, yeah, so one of my favorite things to do at any slam, but obviously particularly Wimbledon and um, and the Australian Open, because at least I can read newspapers in English, uh, is reading the local papers. Which you can't do in New York, but okay. <laughs> I, I can't. We saw some of those headlines at the Post. Yeah. That, that's tricky. Uh, but yeah, yeah it's just because they use a lot of puns and they're interesting, and especially in Australia, they're kind of tongue-in-cheek. And, it's, it's and they, give a, they give a lot of coverage to tennis, especially in Australia. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's their one month, so they, they yeah. go all they go in. hard. So with Bernard Tomic, apparently he is trying to cram for the Australian Open. Uh, he uh, has fitness concerns. Everybody around him says, yeah, don't know if he's fit. Uh, and, Which is code for fat. Yeah. Let's just be honest. Or fat. Or Bernie. So um, he has apparently lost four and a half uh, uh, kilos. Kilos. 
in eight in eight days i want to say and he was like kind of bragging about it which again i don't think that that's how tennis works you don't just like shed weight and then go play like you're a ufc fighter yeah you're not trying to make Make, weight like you know so yep so that's bernie um i suspect that by the time this episode goes up there will be more bernie things that are out in the media but yeah he's uh he's bernie our friend uh linda pierce Pierce Pierce. pierce Uh, referred to him in print as the incredible shrinking tomic love it which is just great uh so bernard tomic is a is a sort of a mess as always uh marin chilich i will flag in here uh it's a tough interesting draw actually plays janovitz first round who janovitz hasn't done much lately but it's still a wild card of of you know kalizanian and more proportions uh and then you get evans who's made the sydney final just now second round um marin chilich is in this draw and is solid and can very well make the semis <laughs> i just love that marin chilich is in this draw <laughs> which kind of sums it up that's like it's like, like a really here. it's like a really bad memoir title <laughs> marin chilich is in this draw um but marin chilich i've said it before you know with less gusto than i talk about pliskova let's say but i think marin chilich will win another slam someday i really do i think that he is a solid capable ronich light kind of player who's going to get looks and get chances and will be steady enough to put himself in position to be in the mix and will and shown he can at least convert sometimes. How old is Chilich now? He's um he's an 88 so he's 28 years old. So which means he probably has, you know, 4 years of his peak left by current ATP math. So 16 slams, I think Marin Chilich wins one of the next 16 slams. No one else is saying that. It shouldn't be a hot take, but everyone just it's forgets hot, he exists. It's not a hot take. Yeah. It's it's a take yeah. about a thing that is not hot. Like, you know what I mean? In terms of, like, it's, like, Marin's just, you know, super nice guy, lovely game. I'm looking at this draw. I, I saw this was there during the draw ceremony, but I was doing it, you know, you're kind of much more focused on first rounds during the draw. Mm-hmm. I am just noticing, as Courtney scrolls across the bottom half, that in this Nadal section, Nadal's the nine seed. So he's in a place with Malfis. He gets Sasha Zverev in the third round, which I totally didn't see before. Yep. That is obviously That's their famous cool. match in Indian Wells, where Zverev had match point and duffed a volley. And the world around was it match point or was it, it to set point. up match point? It was match point. It was okay. Yeah, he had match point. It was a terrible miss. It was like one of the worst misses ever. High volley, iconic oh. miss actually. Um, but there's some fun matches in here. Malfi's section first two rounds are really fun. If he's in any sort of shape to play, he plays Vesely, who's a tough match, and then possibly Dolgopolov or Chorich. Both of those are fun opponents in different ways. Dolgopolov especially. Dolgopolov Malfi's it's like fun but, nonsense tennis but here's the thing okay i'm just gonna bring it down to a little bit of reality for a split second oh boy i totally agree with you like you know like but i feel like some of the excitement is like on paper and not in actuality like when you mention like oh well chillich has Yan- yanowitz hasn't done crap like why should well, like Yanovitz that has been, be Yanovitz has been hurt so we haven't seen no, yanowitz i yeah. understand but that's my point like you know what i mean like so even here like dolgopolov he didn't look all that great at all in brisbane in the match that I saw him play. Yeah, so that's, that's just not really something. Has Chorich played? I don't even know if I've seen Chorich in a draw. Chorich was hurt at the end of last year. No, um, I'm saying to start this year. He played in a Chennai. Oh, Chennai. He was in Chennai. I think he might have lost to Hyun Chong. I'm not saying he's great. I'm just saying that you're, with Malfi's, it's not about like relevance. It's about who can you add to this ingredient to make a fun cake of a match. That will not have batter just thrown out all wrong, which it can with Malfi's quite a bit. I think those are just capable players of having fun rallies with Malfi's, is all I'm saying. Okay, that's fair. That's the bar I'm that's setting. That's fine. That's fine. It's a low bar, hopefully. That's fine. 
Uh, Cole Schreiber is should make their run of this section. It's a pretty easy path for him. And then, yeah, Nadal Zverev is the match to watch in this little cluster. Uh, Sasha looked good at the beginning of this year. Mm-hmm. He played very well in a meaningless Hopman Cup match against Federer, but they both played well. And that was sort of the match, the men's match, that got the most talk in the first week of the year, even though it was Hopman Cup, was that Zverev-Federer match. Um, so, bully on him. Uh, Nadal uh, is in there. Yeah, I think I think the winner of Zverev-Nadal and I'll go ahead and pick Zverev. I'll be boldish. I'm, I haven't seen anything from Roth that makes me high on him at the moment. Uh, he lost to Ronic in... He was solid, though, in Brisbane. In Brisbane, yeah. He, he played very well. He lost to... Yes, he lost to Ronic. Ain't no shame in that. Yeah, definitely um, not. Especially on a fast court like Brisbane. I don't see Zverev beating Rafa best of five, so I'm going to take Rafa in that match. Okay. Um, and, yeah, I would take Rafa all the way to the semifinals. Ooh, ahead of Ronic. Ronich's oh, sorry, I said semi. I meant quarterfinals. Okay, sorry. yeah. So the next part of this quarter is Ronich's part. He's number three seed in this tournament. It's hard to remember That's that Ronich weird. is number three in the ATP. When you, I, was, I forgot that he was, was the top seed in Brisbane. Was, I was like, what? That was the thing that really jumped out at me was Brisbane, where yeah. like there were so many top players there. It was Ronich, Nadal, Ravrinka, Nisha, Corey, Chilich. No, Chilich was behind. No. But all those previously mentioned guys, and Ronich was the top seed in the tournament. It was like, oh, huh. Grand, they're very close in the Dimitrov, rankings. Was there, yeah. Dimitrov, yeah, Dimitrov won that tournament. Yeah. We'll get to him in a bit. Um, he, Ronic, is a very, in terms of ranking, there's a huge gap between points-wise between number three Ronic and number two Djokovic. But he's in there, and he is my pick to make the semis here. I'm yeah. high on Ronic as per usual, just I think he's going to take care of business in an uh, unthrilling way. And, yeah, I like I like his chances a lot um, to make it here, and I like him to beat... Also Zverev, but I would also take him to beat Nadal if that was the matchup too. Sure, maybe best of five, yeah, possibly. Yeah, I mean, so many Roundich versus top players are you know top five are kind of coin flip matches at this point. It becomes about execution for them, and also just Rafa hasn't made many slam quarters lately. He just hasn't been bankable to reach that round. So I'm not gonna put my chips on Rafa to be there and be in fighting shape in a quarter. Just he hasn't he hasn't shown it in recent years. Yeah, because he's been injured and he's been like a bunch of different. Yeah, yeah, and he's not now. So he's not now. You're right, but he's also just far off his far far removed from his best days. Is what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't see Rafa as yeah, the donkey presence in a draw. Then. I just don't see him as a as a as a player who should be treated with the sort of awe he used to be in a draw. Okay, that's not a controversial statement. No, I'm but not. to say that like. There are data points to say that he shouldn't... I don't know. I I think you're convoluting your argument. I'm picking him to lose his variable. I'm just not high on Rafa right now. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I'm not sure what your basis is on that, but that's fine. Yeah, I think you don't he, have to have one. I think he loses it's your a lot gut lately. Feeling. I just think he loses. He lost He lost a round itch. No, but I'm saying even last year, he didn't have any good slams. Because he was injured. Yeah. But he just has it. He lost to Verdasco in the first round here last year when he wasn't injured. Circular. He lost to Pui in the fourth round. If of, Fernando of, Verdasco wants to hit 100 winners... Then he can hit 100 winners, and he's probably going to win. We'll get to Verdasco in a second. Have I'm just you, saying. Have like, you seen the bottom of the draw? No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was the reaction we were hoping for on the Facebook Live. There you go. That's like the one matchup that's funny. Oh, my God. No one needs that. So in the bottom, no one se- in the bottom quarter of, of the no draw. No one needed it best of three a week ago. <laughs> the very amusing match that like everyone started laughing at immediately was Djokovic drawing Verdasco first round. They just played in the semifinals of Doha. Verdasco had five, count them, five match points. And classic Verdasco, well, actually not classic. He didn't double fault any of them, but 
He had quadruple match point at 6-2 up in the tiebreak and still didn't win the match. It's hard to do. And Djokovic escaped and won the third set pretty easily. And then went on to win the title. Went on to win the title, beating Murray in a close final. So that's... <laughs> Speaking of, of Verdasco, there's a whole lot of Verdasco there. Uh, in Djokovic's uh, fourth round looms Grigor Dimitrov, who had an incredible uh, week in Brisbane as the number seven seed in a very tough draw, beating three top ten players in team. Uh, asterisk on team, who's also in this quarter, by the way. Team just hasn't been great lately. Is 15 and 15 in his last 30 matches, which is very unbecoming of a top 10 player and shows just how much he's played. His sort of quantity is keeping him afloat. All those clay court points that he's racked up. Uh, you, know, you know, team is written about in Racket Magazine recently. If you want to pick that up, by the way, you should. And for lots of reasons, not just my article on team. Uh, There's some awesome Gunther, uh, Gunther Bresnik shade uh, with respect to his comparison of young Dominic team versus an older Ernie Golbus, yeah, uh, which was very entertaining. So I loved those quotes. Those oh, thank good. you. Uh, yeah, so uh, Djokovic is in here. I think Djokovic showed enough in Doha. Granted, he was one point from losing to Verdasco, but I think he showed enough to to justify a pick for him to beat Dimitrov and yeah. Verdasco and make the uh, semis because this team section is really weak. This team section, which has Team uh, Shroof, Thompson, Sosa. Tommy Hostel added at 38, Benoit Pair, Fanini, Lopez. It, it's just, it's not an impressive section, not a robust section. So either team or golf fan is likely to stumble out of there. But uh, yeah, I think I, I think mean, Djokovic I is in good shape. I don't see how. I mean, I would pen Djokovic into the final. I just don't see pen. anybody. Ooh. Well, I mean, I guess if Raonic is there, possibly, but yeah, I don't know. I think, I think I'm not seeing a lot of threat floating around here. Djokovic is interesting because Djokovic obviously came out of 2016 with a lot of question marks and having this very lackluster, hollow sort of finish of the year, even though the results weren't as bad as they were made out to be, he still was, you know, making it deep in tournaments and losing deep um, and losing the number one ranking, very surprisingly. But he, the first week, he gave a little of both. I mean, he almost lost to Verdasco, but then he beat Murray. So mixed signals, I think, fair to say. I'm not penning him into the final, but I think he... It's the who favorite. do you think he would lose to? Or who are the obstacles? What's stopping you from penning him into the final from this bottom half? I think I, they're not very strong threats. Maybe maybe I'm using like an erasable pen. But Ronich is in there, I think. I think that's like a 70-30 match for Djokovic. And I think that Dimitrov is looking really sharp. And it's a fourth-round match. If Dimitrov can play really well and is feeling it. And Dimitrov has never had a win like this in, since he beat Murray at Wimbledon in terms of a slam win of that ca- would be of that caliber. But he's trending up. I like Djokovic. I'm just not sure about what the last eight months says about where his head is at. That's all. So, I don't know. I think he's the most fascinating man in the draw. He's going to make the final. I think you're probably right. So, if it, you, are you picking... Um, there should almost be like a stamp that saves you the time from writing the phrase Murray Djokovic final. But do you think that's what you have happening here? I mean... Because I do, now that I come to think of it. I don't know what stops it. Yeah, I don't I don't either. I Besides mean, peak chill at or Or peak fed, like just like lightning in the quarterfinals knocking out uh, Andy Murray. Yeah. Um, but yeah, outside of that, or like, you know, a shrieking stan 
um, doing what he do and just showing up for slams and winning them. You never know. Um, you he's never know. Wimbledon this year, so he's got well, to that's do, true. You know? So, so yeah. I mean, I I would probably you know Murray Federer. I mean, ooh, super controversial. Uh, Murray <laughs> uh, Federer or or Stan would be my picks out of the top half. Uh, could break different ways. I'd still obviously money would be on on Murray uh, in terms of that being the the safest bet. But I wouldn't be surprised if you know if Federer were to find some magic. Um, he looked good in Hopman Cup. Um, and uh, and same with with Rob Finca because we've seen him just show up and decide to win a major. Yeah. So. Rob Finca kind of controls his own destiny in some way. Yeah. Which makes him. It's scary. not a tricky draw for him. No, it's not. It's um, not a bad draw for Finca at all. He's, it's he's, a very good draw, actually. I think so. It's certainly a very good draw to the fourth round against Kyrgios. Uh, there's no... I don't see any first week I don't see him beat... Him. He's not, he, he's not going to be troubled by Kyrgios at all. Um, I don't know. I mean, Kyrgios beat him last year in Madrid. Okay. He's like, Nick is literally limping. Okay. <laughs> like, Nick is not healthy. And he has to go and win best of five, three matches to get to the fourth round and then play a physical match against Favrinka. I just don't see that happening. I just noticed that Nick opens against Gastel Elias, and he made some like Gastel Elias reference the other day I that I thought was like really amusing. My head is still in the game, my friends. <laughs> I may be, sh- I may not have seen the men's draw for like twelve hours, but I still know my men's players. We're good. All right, uh, pick to win the tournament: Murray or Djokovic? Djokovic. I. Okay, I think Djokovic wins if Djokovic and Murray make the final. I think that completely. I think Murray's more likely to make the final than Djokovic. I picked Djokovic. Yeah, I just, I, yeah. Okay, agree to disagree, my friend. Well, we agree. No, we're agreeing on Djokovic. We agree. I just, I, you know, I'm obviously a bit more bullish on, on, on Novak than you are. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh... I wouldn't be surprised by Murray. T- I mean, I'm not that that's like, that's obviously hedging. But Murray, Murray winning the title would seem like the biggest non-event. Djokovic winning would feel more like an event. What are the chances of a first-time Grand Slam winner winning this tournament for the men? Oh, very low. I mean, like, who would it, would it be? Ronich. It would be Ronich or maybe K if K can get healthy. K's hit Dimitrov. Chilich is not even a first-time champ, so he'd be my next person in that mix. Yeah, no, not happening. Just not happening. I mean, just, just no. Cool. cool. <laughs> not happening, just not happening, no. Colon, the ATP Tour. <laughs> I mean, like... They, which is fine. I mean, which, like, your champions are winning. That's you get a amazing. Mix. You get a mix I'm so of, like... jealous sometimes. You get but, a mix. You know. <laughs> with these two draws, you get a mix of proteins and starches. You decide which is which. <laughs> but it's a good to have a balanced plate in front of you. Yeah. And with that, we will dust off this plate and say thank you for listening to this draw show from Australia. We'll do more shows as the tournament rolls on. Uh, follow along with us on Facebook. We have a new, revamped, robust Facebook presence thanks to Courtney's efforts, which looks good. And you guys are engaging on it, which is awesome. Keep doing that. Uh, our Facebook page is facebook.com slash Podcast. Go there. Talk about the draw. We want to know yeah. your thoughts. We want to know if you disagree with one of us. We want you if to... one of us is an idiot, let us know. We want conversation. Among each other. Like, yes. respond to each other, too. Don't just, yeah. like, respond to us. Like, get in there, you know, you know engage, mix, Build mingle. Build community. Exactly. You guys will like each other. Exactly. You have a lot in common if you like us, because it's only a certain kind of people who can like us. It's very true. So... <laughs> That's just the that Venn diagram is, is tiny. We're talking a sliver. So thank you for doing that on Facebook with us. We'll have hopefully some Facebook lives or Periscopes. We'll see if Periscope. I don't know. Work better. We have connection issues with Facebook Live, so I don't know if that's a Facebook issue or not. But we'll bring you some stuff during the Australian Open, like last year. Not as much as last year. Not daily shows, but good amount of stuff. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at ncr underscore tennis individually on Twitter. 
I'm at Ben Rothenberg. Courtney is 40 Deuce Twits on Twitter and also WTA underscore Insider for all your ladies coverage. And her show, as she mentioned, is WTA Insider, which is also going to be doing a bunch of shows, I'm sure, during yeah. the uh, tournament. Uh, so follow along with those as well and get your full fix. A lot of people are, you know, not staying out to watch, so can just... That's a big one. I mean, and, 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 and yeah. I know that you think about this as well in terms yeah. of, like, the coverage because of the time zones, especially because we're both Americans. We think in oh, among print American... print deadlines are also hell. Yeah, it's really brutal. And so I think in a lot of ways, like, we gear our coverage towards the idea of people are sleeping. And when you wake up, we want you to come to us and, you know, download our podcast, listen to it on your way to work so that you're all caught up in what happened overnight to the extent that we put those those episodes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Australian Open is an incredibly tough slam to follow from the States. Um, and we definitely recognize that. And Europe um, probably too. And Europe too. So, you know, subscribe to the podcast. That definitely helps us. It'll help you to immediately be able to, to wake up and those podcasts are there. You don't have to think about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's kind of how we gear our coverage of like trying to bring you here knowing that you are also asleep. Like our end of yeah. night, like phone call home. It's like, hey, mom. So this is what happened today. You know, that sort of thing. Say for you're our mom in this example. That's nice. It's not weird. <laughs> <laughs> you can also use hashtag if you're a Twitter person and want to converse. I keep trying to push hashtags. They're not really happening. But use hashtag NCR176 for this episode. It'll be this episode number. Uh, a lot of episodes. Send us questions or comments on email. No challenges remaining at gmail.com is our email. And like Courtney said with the subscribing, you can subscribe lots of ways to get the show automatically. Lots of great podcast apps out there, services, iTunes, the podcast app that comes with your iPhone That's when you buy it. That's what you use, it. right? That's what I use. It's totally fine. Um, although, weirdly, like my Slate Plus thing stopped working. Different issue. Um, I use Overcast, which I like very much, okay. So, if, uh, which is um, mainly for devices. It's not on desktop, but if you have an iPhone or Android Overcast, I would highly yeah, recommend it. Yeah, I never it. listen really to podcasts on, on my laptop. Yeah, I used to when like podcasts first too. come out, you know? Um, but now everything, and in fact, weirdly for me, I listen to my podcast off my iPad more than, more than anything else because, <laughs> yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird, it's been a weird development just because I think my iPad has like more memory so I can download, like, mm. I just have more yeah, podcasts, whereas I feel like I'm constantly Building, managing, yeah. you know, memory on my phones, but. Um, Stitcher Radio, we're on also and a couple tune other. In. Tune in. So those are lots of ways to find us. We're also just on our Podbean site. Uh, if you found but us subscribing helps. Subscribing it really help. helps us, you guys. So do that. And reviews. Exact, yeah, leave us reviews on those services. Any of them, iTunes especially, helps us out. And tell your friends. Be like, hey, mom or other people you know, listen to this show. I think you'll like it. And you can engage with tennis and then talk about it and you'll come together as a family. Something to talk about. Bringing we people together. Family. Pretty much. I got all my sisters and me. I just want to go right to intro, outro. Me, do, you have any, do you have any family rants, raves? Executive producers. Panthers and tennisboss.com. Cal Woolley. Sister Sledge over there. You good? Raves and rants. I'm just going to... This is going to be on behalf of all tennis players, but also for myself because I deal with it as well. Really sick and tired of airlines and their refusal to... Or like hassling you for bringing on luggage that they consider to be oversized carry-ons which absolutely fit in the overhead bins. Tennis players, invariably when they travel, um, because you do not check your, your racket bag ever, um, 
bring their racket bags on onto the the plane which they're and those bags are designed to fit in overhead compartments and they get hassled i think you've seen like coco vandaway tweet about it uh a few other players as well dabrowski dabrowski yeah dabrowski did it as well it's really really frustrating for me i have a duffel bag that is full of like uh, equipment that i cannot check um in terms of electronic equipment and yeah Qantas people were giving me a hassle and i just was like it will fit. Trust me. I'm a frequent traveler. Like, I know what fits and what doesn't fit. It's perfectly... The reason why I travel the way that I do, it's designed to, 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 to like, be seamless. And everybody always makes it difficult. And it's very frustrating. I'll just piggyback on yours to keep this coherent. I, for whatever reason, my worst airline interaction experiences always happen in this part of the world. Yes. I don't yes. get what it is about Australia. And now I've learned New Zealand also. Yeah. That makes them such... To borrow a phrase, wangs at the airport. <laughs> I don't get what it is. They are awful. They're they're so rude. They have all these upcharges for everything. Yep. One of the things they have um, in uh, uh, in on Air New Zealand when I was flying over here, they had a limit to the weight of your carry on bag. What the hell is that about? What does it matter? Because I'm sorry, I understand the idea of having maximum weights for. Uh, stowaway baggage, especially because people are handling it, throwing it around. You don't want someone throwing their back out on some 90-pound bag that's like loaded with sure. bricks or something. I get all that from a union point of view. It's great, whatever. And the idea of cargo hold, whatever. Having It was a limit of 15 pounds for a carry-on bag, which is pretty low. I mean, like my bag was not, it was not even at full capacity. My just normal Jansport backpack. And it was uh, 19 pounds, which yeah. probably is going to scoliose me in some way, probably. but that's my issue and not yours, airline. <laughs> and they wouldn't, have, they wouldn't have, you know, they wouldn't have charged me extra if those, um, you know, five extra pounds were just in my body weight instead of the right. instead of the bag. And so that's just dumb to me. Yeah. And, and airlines, and then my worst experience with this was flying from Brisbane to Melbourne in 2014. And they had some lower than usual baggage limit mm-hmm. for checked baggage on like mm-hmm. some whatever airline I was taking. It was like 20 kilograms mm-hmm. instead of 23 like it normally is. And, or maybe it was 15. Yeesh. Or it was something crazy. Jetstar? Maybe. Or something. Jetstar's terrible. Whatever. It was not, maybe it was Tiger or Jet. Something that I didn't Tiger normally too, take. yeah. So whatever it was. And then it was $25 per kilogram yeah, over. They charge per and kilo. So, and so what I was looking at was like a $250 bag. Whatever it was that I got when I put it on the scale, and I was like, and so I just started throwing things away. I threw away a towel. I threw away a couple books and like shoved other things. I put on like four shirts that I wore onto the airplane. It's so stupid. It's... I it makes me mad. There's this there's this misperception in the U.S. at least that Australia is like a land of like relax and no rules and no worries. It is not the case. These people, a lot of them, still think that it's a penal colony. And treat us all like convicts that we to be managed. Ooh, and I don't need that stuff. I just don't need it. Like, and it's weird because, like, weirdly, people, as much as there is a sort of laid back vibe, people here like don't jaywalk. Yeah, they don't like. There's a couple like weirdly um, orderly. I don't want to say police states going too far, but just a lot of like non rule bending that you would expect if you just think of Australia as being like. You know, the turtle and Finding Nemo and stuff like that. He or, was Californian, but whatever. Oh, uh, whatever. I think, no, he think he's Aussie, right? He sounds Aussie. Dude, no. He oh. literally said, like, dude, what? Yeah, bro. That's well, I thought California. I said in an Aussie sounding way. No. Anyhow, um, weigh in in the comments on the turtles that had to be. But just know that, yeah, Australia is not always as chill as it and no worries as it purports to be. It is in some ways. 
but it's kind of in the smaller ways, not the bigger ways. Yeah, I mean, the funny, I'll just one more thing about the, the airline thing. What is so frustrating to me, and I find myself thinking about this a lot more when I'm flying, is like there are so many rules about the things that you cannot check, right? I can't, you're not supposed to check laptops, you're not supposed to check cameras. You're not supposed to check a lot of these things in your check luggage. So you are, okay, I'm not allowed to check them. So I have to bring them onto the plane. So All, I, of, our, all of our fancy sound equipment yeah, for our podcastings. I travel with two laptops yeah. because, as you guys have all known, there have been instances where I've been on a lengthy trip and my laptop breaks. Yeah. Um, so I travel with two laptops. That is automatically a lot of pa- a lot of pa- like there's your, no way through your bus summer i travel with two and yeah. i would not have been able to make it with that carry on under right. under eight pounds or, and so or eight kilos and so no way. my reaction is always like what is my recourse i cannot i cannot pack this but i i mean you, i cannot check this even if i go to the luggage store at the airport and buy another i cannot check it um under your regulations and yet i cannot take it with me and yet i have to have it <laughs> like what am i supposed to do it's absurd, and I would agree. The, the especially the carry-on limits um, via a, Australian and New Zealand airlines it's a, it's a and Asia. Out. I mean, it's Asia Pacific, really. I mean, China the same. Um, it can be a bit uh, um, frustrating. It's a scam. It's a scheme. It's terrible. It's a pyramid of awfulness. Andrea Lavochka was telling me this because she was like really, really happy. We were on the same flight from. Sydney to Melbourne, and we. I said just says we were really. She was really happy that we were on the same flight. Yeah, she was so lonely. Exactly. No, but she was saying she was like really happy because she was able to get two bags for free on Qantas checked, Um, and I was like, oh, I thought that they were always like you know two bags free, and she's like, oh no, they were excess baggage, but the guy didn't like charge me. I was like, oh, that's awesome. She's like, yeah, Mladenovic had to pay like a thousand dollars. Wow. Because of excess, because they charge by the kilo. Yeah. And so her total bill is a thousand dollars of excess baggage. I should ask her about that press. Stand back. Kiki got thoughts, I'm sure. I'm sure. And with that, we'll see you guys later. You have thoughts. We have thoughts. Now we're leaving. Let's think. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.